0: Greetings nerds and virgins, your boy Suki is back with another UFC, I'm just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, your boy Suki's back with another UFC Breakdown for 267. All the preamble, all the fun stuff, all the wins are done. We've got up-to-date information. I couldn't help but, you know, do a sign on like Colby Covington and, you know, this is a really fun fight to follow up what was UFC 266 and we always talked about how, you know, some of the guys who might not be so hardcore, some of us, those fights leading into 266 might've created more anticipation than ever, but those fight cards were actually very surprising for a lot of people i think and we enjoyed them overall but ufc 266 the amount of russian talent on there and guys my most anticipated fight probably of a very long time that i can't remember glover Teixeira winning the belt my brain my heart my bones everything told me he was gonna do it and that's exactly what he did it almost seemed like jan was like "Fuck it if you're the guy that's gonna take my belt here have it for a bit i'll see you soon but overall man one of the most inspirational stories you'll ever hear in the history of mma and quite frankly why do we love sports sports are all about the emotion the storyline just all of that perseverance that's attached to these games and fights and everything we love and that's what makes it so enjoyable for us and that's exactly what UFC 266 was you know we saw Makachev come out and do his thing against Hooker probably a lot of you know disappointed fans including myself but you know in those fights it's just hard to see anybody lose and it's nice to see Islam really make that statement to you know go for his belt but overall we absolutely killed that card from a business perspective 12-2 overall 6-0 on the main card and that puts us at 338 201-5 overall with an 88-39-2 and record on our last 11 UFC cards and 36 12 and one on our last eight main cards so guys your boy and you are absolutely killing it so let's give ourselves a round of applause and super Saiyan pick now that we've uh, patted ourselves on the back a little bit we didn't do so well one of our two losses shemil gamzatov could not hold up to mikhail's boxing and that was a big blow for us but 13 and 7 overall 7 and 2 on our last nine super saint picks and your, your your boy is just trying to do his best to find you know profitable lines around that minus 225 or under for us to try and make some money together but this looks like a card we might be able to find somebody so let me take a sip of that kimbo get that uh mma juices flowing you know i really think that your boy's gonna try his best to do this in 15 minutes uh you know failed pretty miserably in the past if you want to leave some comments or maybe some punishments that your boy can do for missing it so poorly but we will try here 14 fights overall we've absolutely been killing it we got the jimmy butler jersey on right now because my man's just been killing it in the nba still got the hat on but two nba teams At the same time something your boy doesn't really mess with but outside of that i really think that this is going to be a fun card and i mean without further ado let's just kick it off right we've got 15 minutes to try and do the 14 fights and go Odey Osborne and CJ Vergara catchweight belt because CJ did miss Sweden. we saw him on the contender series he attacks the body well he's got good combos but that ability to push forward or lack thereof is really gonna be something that you want to see against Odey because Odey is that counterstrike who's gonna use some time to feel things out and if you're just pushing forward recklessly he's going to be able to capitalize in the tune-up fight against Jerome Rivera you saw him do just that but the Manel cap fight is what we want to talk about here right he wasn't able to deal with the foot very well. And I think the footwork is what put him off for so long to try and be able to plant and throw or figure out something to throw against when the counters were, uh, you know, there for him. But. What did Minel do so well? He moved around perfectly and the way he took that step back and then fired that knee so quickly I mean that is elite level stuff and that's the part that really stands out for me because that was the first time we had ever seen Ode get knocked out and for me this is one of those fights where you know the first person to knock him out is him. We saw Kelleher submit him with a guillotine and that guillotine would put a lot of people out. One of his best submissions and so I really think that this is a fight for Ode to lose. I think that CJ's style from what we can see plays right into his hands and so I'm going to go O'Day as a minus 250. I really think this is his fight to lose. So let's take a look here. Ode minus two minus 175 165 opener a mi- as high as a minus 200 to minus 205 favorite as we speak potential Super Saiyan pick there in my opinion but we'll see what's left on the card Vergara is a plus 135 now sitting around a plus 160 as a uh, dog there Melsic Baldessarin and Bruno Souza Souza also missed weight and now this becomes a catchway belt but Bruno won the LFA title uh with uh, you know a really good performance and I think that what you can see from him is that a lot of his striking ability carries over into the later parts of the fight and the guy looks exactly like Machida right in the way he fights, that karate stance, the counter style and that's one thing about this fight that makes it so intriguing right because Melsic Balogstarin is what I would call a power kickboxer he throws everything with intent from start to finish think what what what's the negative things of that cardio you don't know if he's gonna be able to hold up towards the end and that's what makes you know Sousa such an interesting pick here because he exactly could do that he could last and then he can maybe do some damage for the second half of the second and the third round to make this a very close fight Melsic has amazing combinations and for me it's this one high kick well it's a left high kick and a spinning back into the body and my word if anybody you know I feel winded just talking about it but that's craziness to me like the way that he throws if things land clean I think it's party done and so I'm gonna go with Melzik as a minus 190 if the only issue here is the cardio it's something that you can't really predict so I think that Vegas is gonna give him the bump so let's take a look here bang bang boom so opener minus 185 within five points of that line Bruno Souza plus 160 and you look at the line now minus 400 at most places with Souza looking at a plus plus. 330 at some places for me. That's a dog or pass at this point with a potential under there. But let's get right into one of my guys. Dustin Jacoby. I don't think I've backed the fighter more during this pandemic. As a, you know, quickly rising star, if you will. I love the technical kickbox and he brings to the table. He's also lost Alex Pereira, a guy we'll be talking about later. But John Allen, you know, that Wanderlei-obsessed Brazilian fighter who came up through Shootbox. You can see it in his style. Yeah, you know, I'm hoping that the cardio lasts for him simply to make this a very competitive fight. But you saw the Roman Delice fight. That was kind of a sloppy outing. And for me, I think that Dustin Jacoby in this fight very much can have his way on the feet John Allen should definitely surprise try to take it to the ground I think that that's an opportunity for him to see how good Dustin Jacoby can be on the ground we saw him lose on the Dana White contender series in 2018 but that Gian Vellante and Mike Rodriguez fight allowed him to uh come in on short notice but ended up failing for a drug test so for me lot of things going into this fight against a guy like Jacoby that just doesn't add up so I'm going with Dustin Jacoby as a minus 260 I think that this is very much a play in terms of a betting perspective so let's minus 271 opener so really close to that minus 400 basically across the board here Allen is now as high as a plus 315 dog pretty easy to see where that one's going and let's finish off the early prelims with Gian Vellante and Chris Barnett so where do I start here pretty sure this is a Vellante you know retirement fight if you will and he just hasn't been looking that good at heavyweight definitely on his way out the Collier fight was one but the Maurice Green is a fight that I talk about is just I don't put fighters down ever but that was just you know for a USC fighter to lose in that way it was just something that I'd never seen before And it makes you question the skill level of the UFC which I think is more of a harp on the UFC than anything so this is going to be a tale of maybe one guy is fighting for a contract here if he even wants it but Chris Barnett got his chance when uh, Big Ben Roth will need an opponent Ben was able to finish him pretty cleanly in the second, cardio for both guys looks like an issue but it looks like Barnett cares more about his future as a UFC fighter and has been putting in the time to improve his cardio and the big thing about him is he's one of those bigger guys at the heavyweight division but he's still a very quick athlete so for a heavyweight he actually moves very well which makes this a very interesting fight to consider him as a you know potential pick because Gian Vellante just is fairly one-dimensional and looks the same uh every time he fights, and towards the end of the fight, he just gets more and more tired. So I'm gonna say a pick him just because I don't even know where to go with this thing. So let's take a look at the minus 140 for Barnett opener. Gian Vellante, now the favorite at minus 130. You can get Chris Barnett about a plus 112 at some places, plus 115, but Pick him close enough to me in the MMA terms, and for rightfully so for me, I might actually consider Barnett there as a dog. Now a welterweight belt between Ian Gary and Jordan Williams. Now, Jordan Williams will always be remembered for me because it was one of the cl- most perfect breakdowns of a fight I've ever given. In Mavov and him, that was really just a crash this dummy meets perfect technical striker, Cyril Gunn. We'll talk about a bit a little later, but. Williams is very much on the hot seat here I think but Ian Gary cage warriors champion coming in with a lot of hype from the UK and what I loved about him is that kickboxing the one twos and the high kick and the most important thing going into this fight is as much as Jordan's gonna keep pushing forward trying to use his boxing to get a big knockout the way he did on the Dana White contender series I feel like he's chasing that feeling far too much but this is a fight where his back is against the wall and hopefully he goes with you know he goes into it with a bit more smarts there but i can see gary having a huge advantage as the fight goes on but also from a technical perspective the thing that i loved about watching some of his highlights were the moment he gets hit he doesn't push forward and try to get reckless he takes a step back like a classical boxer to kind of re-poise himself to get his uh, you know mojo going again to get back in there and he really does he gets right back in there tries throws combos like i said bunch of one twos and I think this is going to be a fight where he pulls off a big win to start his UFC career. So I'm going minus 180 for Gary. I just think that Jordan Williams might get a little bit of a bump for people that might not know Gary and have seen Jordan Williams fight. So let's take a look what's the point minus point? Minus 375 for Gary now pretty much of minus 400 everywhere and you can get Jordan Williams as high as a plus 310 so obvious where we're gonna go with that pick it's pretty simple stuff there and that takes us right into Edmund and Nasruddin Mavov so Edmund Shabazi is what I'm talking about there we went against him in his first last two fights right Blonde Brunson we've been making money off Blonde Brunson and he's been killing the game so congrats to him I don't know why people keep doubting this man but they do and it sucks but I'll keep taking the money if you will people want to keep doubting him so what did I not like about that I keep saying I think Edmund has been rushed in his UFC career now he's taking on some elite fighters Jack we kn- we knew he was gonna be able to take him down at some point and start to really wear on them such a technical striker right so even if you want to chalk these guys up to being equal in that sense the thing about Imavov is the versatility how good he looks even when he loses the Phil Haas fight was a majority decision loss but he outstruck Phil Haas in a big way and it was the wrestling from Phil that got him that W but he made up for that in a big way in his real coming out party against Ian Hynek which has now got him onto UFC 2C7 in New York so for me There's a few things here that really stand out that kind of scare me, right? It's kind of like that 35% defense on Jordan Williams' side that makes you really question if a fighter uh, should be in the UFC, but Imabov has a really good striking defense with 58%, but it's the 4.3 to 2.23 striking differential that just makes you realize how good he is. Cyril gone at this weight class, like that's how good of a technical striker he can be, and Imabov has underrated takedown defense at 69% after going against a wrestler like Phil Hawes. for me i like the volume and i like that edmund is going to try his best to you know make this a fight make this a technical striking fight but it's hard for me to see real clean cut areas for him to win so i'm going with you know uh, pretty much a pick him here because i think that imabov is about a minus 125 favorite so i'm gonna give him the edge but i do think that it's in that minus you know plus minus 40 points between each other so let's take a look Wow, that's the definition of pick'em, right? So Imabov opened with a plus 110 with Shabazzin coming as minus 130 and they pretty much smacked that Met in the middle now. It's minus 120, minus 110 type line. I mean, I'm going Imabov with my pick. I'll lay that out here right now. I just think that he's able to take damage but also be very technical for three rounds and his volume tends to go up whereas Shabazzin actually does have cardio issues as well. Phil Haas and Chris Curtis now we know with this one Phil Haas actually could have taken this fight but denied it and now we're getting one that we can you know see for what is the first time technically and you know he's on a four fight win streak after getting knocked out by Julian Marquez in a big way and the last two against Dogs and have just kind of showed off how good his wrestling was but let's take a look at curtis a guy we don't really know so much about you know he's won the he's a double champ for the fight night promotion at welterweight and middleweight and his story through sean strickland begging sean shelby to you know keep him under contract and to give him the opportunity is pretty phenomenal you know he had that third round finish on the dana white contender series but didn't get a contract because he was on the same card as greg hardy and uh greg hardy and what's that guy alonzo menifield so you know obviously those two guys got huge bump coming out of the Contender Series, and that kind of slowed him down. But let's talk about his losses. Bala Muhammad, Magomed Karimov twice, and Ray Cooper, the only person to really finish him. So, I'm interested to see where this line is, because I'm taking Curtis in this fight, because I think that he's going to be able to surprise a lot of people. I think his ability to show cardio strengths, all, he did not look tired at all after that Dana White Contender Series fight, despite being the fighter that continuously pushed forward, and controlled pace, and the fight overall. So, let's see how it goes i think that it's going to be phil hawes is a minus 130 i think that that's pretty much my guess there but i really think even on three weeks notice the way he fights and the way his cardio looks he's going to be able to do some damage here so let's take a look guys that's a live dog man plus 250 on chris curtis his go look at his highlight reel go look at his fighting history i mean phil hawes is is, is definitely a big talked about sanford mma fighter but this line is drastic minus 350 for Oz, and that line is now dropping close to that minus 300 so keep that in mind i think that that fight is live 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 guys whoa that one kind of almost disappointed me but here we go big ally quinta and bobby green this is the people's fight man ally quinta is making his comeback fight on short notice against bobby green now the thing about Ally anquita that I love is you go look at the Khabib fight right he's a great grappler he's absolutely phenomenal good at sprawling or I should say good at uh, transitions and things like that I think that his his, uh, scrambling ability is phenomenal but that's what bobby green looks really good in too right he likes to control pace and the big thing for me in this fight if you're a big ally quinta fan the one thing you're praying for is that he just doesn't stand there with his hands down thinking that taking the punches you know isn't really doing much because it looks worse than he probably thinks in that khabib fight he was just taking like he made khabib look like an absolutely phenomenal boxer especially with the way the jab was landing and the damage he takes is substantial there so I'm hoping that he could incorporate more of that scrambling style, make it a dogfight. fight because if he just stands and strikes and gives Bobby Green that entire time to just keep finding his rhythm. We saw in the physio fight that Bobby's starting to look like a very, very, very good fighter and the Ally Quinta output is something to always be concerned about, you know, 38 for 117 against Hooker is pretty, pretty crazy, right? And he only landed 43 strikes in the five round fight against Khabib. So you know, you talk about the 40% versus 50%, 51% striking accuracy. Massive differences there. So I, I really like Green's, you know, output. You think about the fact that he only never passed the 50 significant strikes total twice in his career. And one was the loss to Poirier. And the second was when he KO'd James Krause. So all of those things really play into Green being the favorite for me. I think minus 160 makes sense here, especially after a two-year hiatus. So let's take a look. Bang, bang, boom. Bobby Green, minus 120 opener. Now sitting as high as a minus 190. Ally Quint at plus 100, but now getting some good juice at about plus 150 on average. So a lot of those things stand out to me. I I really don't know who I want to take in that fight. I'm not going to lie. And with a minute left, we finish off the prelims with Alex Pereira and Andreas Mikhalidis. That's actually not bad, guys. Uh, Pereira is obviously going to get more... It's weird, right? When a guy like Izzy is so good, guys are getting UFC contracts off of beating you in other sports, to be quite honest. Kickboxing, to me, would be considered a different sport. So let's take a look at the fact that Alex Pereira he's gonna have Glover in his corner he's a great kickboxer with great power in his hands and what's going to be tested is the groundwork right I think Andreas Miklidis he's always going to be remembered for the guy that got knocked out by Modestus Bukowskis by falling out of the cage so for me those are really fun fights and then you have the KB Bular fight where let's be real KB Boulard, I'm going to just look at this note quickly, but 53 of his 70 total strikes were leg kicks. So this man barely got touched in that fight. So Andre Miklidis is basically coming in after no medical suspension, I guess, but I think what's going to be the problem here is the speed of the striking. I think the footwork, the technical side of his kick, of Pereira's kickboxing, I think is going to just blow Andreas out of the water. I don't think he's going to be able to stand with that. That's my personal opinion there. And and there's the sound, guys. So obviously, you know, we got to uh, restart the timer there, keep it going into the main card. Let's see if we can get it done before this resets for a second time, but like I said, the 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 tape on Andreas Riccius in two UFC fights is almost comical, and so for me, I really do think that Pereira has a huge advantage here, and I'm gonna go with him as a minus 200 favorite here. Wow, pretty close here. So we got minus 210 for Alex Pereira now about minus 260 overall. Adrien is now hitting over that plus 200 raises a dog, and it's pretty clear who we're gonna take as a pick in that fight and now ladies and gentlemen we go into one of the most action-packed main cards there is lightweight fight justin gaethje and michael chandler now it's just crazy to see you know where this is all going you talk about justin gaethje as the uh you know unproven wrestler that everybody wants to bump but it's just funny that he i i feel like he knows what he's doing when you look at his ufc record i mean the guy obviously wants to make the money and he knows how to do that So you just even think about the the wrestling overall, you know, uh, for me, it's defensive. Uh, Poirier went 0 for 5, Johnson went 1 for 3, Alvarez went 1 for 2, Khabib went 2 for 3. I mean, those three of those, two of those uh, fights were three of those fights were losses, but it just shows you how people tend to strike with him anyway. For me, the 69% defense is pretty phenomenal given the fights that he's been in. And the big thing for me is if you look at the 2009 NCAA bracket, what a crazy storyline for these guys. But Justin Gaethje ends up losing the first round of that NCAA tournament. Then Michael Chandler ends up going on and loses to Gregor Gillespie. Chandler ends up finishing 5th and Gregor ends up finishing uh, fourth and what's funny is Gregor goes all the way to the finals and well, all the way to the semis but guess who wins number one in that? Jordan Burroughs, and so you have the consolation bracket where Gillespie ends up beating Michael Chandler for that title. So. Pretty cool stuff in that 2009 NCAA tournament. Sorry, there was a lot of information to kind of get off my chest there, but Gaethje, minus 160 makes the most sense to me. The reason why I think that is as a striker, the development we're seeing, the less damage he takes, the better he gets with the technical side. And honestly, man, Michael Chandler's chin is a little bit more questionable than Gaethje's. And the fact that he does his best work early in the fight versus Gaethje, if you keep the fight standing, moves forward and keeps the pressure coming and doesn't really gas, that's the scary part that's what makes Gaethje such a big favorite for me and this one at minus 160 at least against a guy like Chandler because I think the versatility in that gas tank is going to be the key if Chandler can start to wrestle here and really prove how good Gaethje is going to be that would be the big thing for me I think it's going to be really really fun for him I think that's probably the fight to watch to kick off the card and start to get your excitement going so let's go with Gaethje as a minus 160. Wow, this line moved a lot. So, minus 176 opener to a minus 210 favorite. So, Michael Chandler now a plus 154 opener, now sitting as high as a plus 180 dog. So, I think that we're pretty, you know, on point with where Vegas reads that fight. It, it's not one where I think that, uh, you know, I thought the line would be a bit closer. I'm not going to lie. So, pretty crazy to see that, you know, the belief in Justin's that high. Next fight, Billy Quarantillo and Shane Burgos, man. This is going to be one where these guys do so much work over three over three rounds that their ability in the third round is insane. You know, you think about Billy's three of five finishes are all in the third round including the Dana White Contender Series under the UFC banner then you look at Burgos who at both of his KO wins in the UFC are also in the third round but he's also lost in the third round to Cater and Barbosa so you just think about how nice this fight's gonna look for two rounds most likely so if there's a fight guys to consider a one and a half over I don't think there is a fight better than this one just given their track record but You look at the way that Billy Quarantillo was exposed by Gavin Tucker, right? The takedowns, the work to the body. The only real time we saw him get beat up a little bit, you know, on the lower levels, I I think that's where you saw him kind of falter a little bit. His cardio is praised, and we saw it in his last few fights, the Gabriel Benitez loss. That's one of our Super Saiyan losses. Billy Quarantillo made me believe that he was not UFC caliber, and then he slapped me in the face with that. So, I do think that he has a great chance in this fight, but when you talk about Shane Burgos we're talking about fights against guys like Josh Emmett and Edson Barbosa now that Josh Emmett fight will go down as one of my favorite of all time because if you were part of the storylines leading up to it and you knew what was happening in that fight the whole time that was some of the best display of heart grit and just perseverance to win I've ever seen from two fighters in the same fight so go watch that fight if you haven't seen it Josh Emmett versus Shane Burgos and with that said with recency bias and caliber of opponent I'm going with Burgos as a minus 145 favorite all right, so Burgos, very, very consistent. Opened as a minus 200, now sits at a minus 200. Billy Corintillo opens as a plus 170 dog, now still sits as a plus 170 dog. Pretty interesting stuff there. Next fight, Frank Yeager versus Marlon Vera pretty crazy to think where both these guys are in their careers I think that Frankie you know obviously later in his career now is starting to get knocked out a little bit early in fights but Marlon Vera doesn't really pose that much of a threat when it comes to early round power which makes me believe we could see two very elite fighters go three rounds you talk about the uh, Jose Aldo win over Marlon Vera I think that Frankie can take some notes out of that fight I think his scrambling ability and his footwork and the chin or sorry the head movement that's kept him in fights for the most part of his career you know if we see some of that Yaira Riguez, Chad Mendez style, Frankie Edgar I'm sure a lot of us would be very excited but The Muay Thai, the kickboxing style of Marlon Vera, is what makes this really interesting right? Is he gonna fight at a distance? Is he gonna land those big elbows? Because I think Frankie has to keep his distance Use the changing of levels to his advantage because he should be a good wrestler here And we saw how good Aldo was able to expose him there and so for me, I'm still going to go with Marlon Vera as a minus 190 favorite. I just think that that Corey Sandhagen knockout of Frank Yeager is going to hang a lot in people's heads. But you look at their careers and you look what Frankie's accomplished. I don't think this is a position he's never been in. So we could be very surprised with the outcome. But like I said, Marlon Vera minus 190 makes the most sense here. And Alright, too much bump from me. Minus 150 for Vera opener. And now he's only sitting as high as a minus 163. So maybe I'm giving Marlon Vera too much bump on the Vegas side. They really believe that Frankie still has a chance despite what happened against Corey. And that's probably going to be one of the most fun fights on the card. I mean, with that said, let's get into three championship fights with Rose Yamanus and Zhang Wei Lee. Now, the big thing for me is when you look at Zhang's rise, you know, styles make fights. You wanna, the pushing forward style, the constant, constant volume striking, you know, they both ate that up so well in the two times they fought each other. And Rose Yamanoose's Twinkle Toes extraordinaire. She is no longer, or is she really ever, the type to just go in and start banging, banging, banging. I don't think that's the case. I think that her ability to read her opponent, to know when to strike, to try and keep her distance, we've seen her do very, very well, and that's a growing skill for her. That's the biggest thing. You talk about the Rose loss to Andrade with the slam. She wasn't even losing that fight. She had an incredible first round where she ended up defending two of the three takedowns. You have to go all the way back to Carolina Kowalka in 2016 when she lost via split decision. You know, you look at Rose's record. You know, the debut strawweight championship fight against Carla Sparza, one of my goats of the women's MMA. But that might be one of the best... 15 fight record you ever see in your life you know it's so amazing that the level of fighters she has fought from start to finish and you could almost make the argument that's what's made her so good you actually have to go back to Tisha Torres in 2013 that's her first career loss and she avenged that in the UFC anyway there's something about her that you know I think people can underrate and I did in the last fight which I'll never do again because you know I've always had that thing about Rose where I just really feel like she's a cut above the rest, and she's starting to really show it. Right, that's my biggest thing. You look at Whaley's nicest finish was against Andraj and that was a sp- one of the biggest sprawl brawl types of fighters, where she's just trying to use her wrestling and her and her pushing forward style to to, to finish fights. And Whaley ate that up too. So I just think that Zhang looks great against a certain type of fighter. But Rose is not that type of fighter. And so I'm going Rose a minus 150. I just think that I'll never have a shred of doubt in her again. Even if she loses, I still have to side with her. And wow. Some places are still putting Rose up as a dog. So minus 125 opener for Rose. Plus 100 for Zhang. So pretty much a pick and Rose is just hovering in that plus 100 to plus 105 range. Good God. And Zhang Wei Li now minus 125 working out with that fight ready camp. So one of my favorite gyms on the planet. And, and maybe working with the right people is finally going to get her to that next level. You know, those that's a great coaching staff that's going to be able to help her learn a lot more of that patience even maybe use the wrestling to to advantage where we've seen Rose struggle a little bit I said three title fights now we've got Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington and there's something very specific that I want to talk about this fight one there was something that scared me going into this fight that I couldn't put my finger on but the more I do the research the more I realize look at the trajectory of the UFC in 2021 Kamaru, Kamaru Usman is a big part to do with that you know he's really setting a standard of what to compare yourself to just like An Israel Adesanya but now we shift our attention to Colby Covington now this isn't just your changing of belts it kind of I don't I don't want to make this political but like it kind of reminds me of the Obama shift to Donald Trump like this could be a complete you know societal change for the UFC that could be on our hands if Colby were to win this fight but with that said there's something about Kamaru Suman that I want to point out very very well and bear with me as I tried to spew out all of this information i've written down so kamaru is a 14-0 ufc fighter with five title defenses now he's obviously on the cusp of greatness and potentially one of the best fighters you've ever seen already so you know we don't just talk about him as one of the goats anymore he has that chance right and you look at the way his his fighting style has evolved pre-championship belt against you know pre-championship fight against woodley look at the way that he used his wrestling to win fights only two times in his entire career before that title fight did he not use a takedown one was against Sergio Marías when he knocked out the Brazilian looking Kamaru Usman in, a, in the first round and the second is Damian Maia so in all of his fights in the UFC leading up to that title fight against Woodley the man basically used his wrestling now That Woodley fight, he only needed two takedowns for 18 minutes of control time. And for me, when you look at that fight, that was the coming out party for me when it came to Kamaru Usman striking. I was very impressed with how he was mixing it up to be able to utilize some of his wrestling and groundwork. But now we fast forward a little bit. That's right after going, what, 12 for 18 against RDA. And now we can talk about the, the Masvidal, Colby Covington and Gilbert Burns case studies. Colby Covington and Gilbert uh, Burns are pretty much easy, right? Did not go for takedowns at all, which I'm going to get back to. In the Gilbert Burns fight, there was actually a moment where he could have maybe gone for a takedown just to kind of get his lights back, but he didn't. He was fairly confident in that fight and kept going. The first Masvidal fight is the best case study when you really, really think about it. So in that fight, he goes five for 16 in takedowns and ekes out that decision win. Now. As we know, that's still a dominant win in MMA. But people talk, social media talks, Masvidal talks, and so Masvidal gets his wish and gets the second fight. Now, what did we learn in that fight? Kamaru Usman did not try to take him down 16 times. In fact, he only think I got. I think he got two in that fight, and that's in the second fight. And look at the way he finished the fight. So let's go back to Colby Covington 1. That is still around the time where Kamaru Usman is arguably developing as a striker in our eyes. The, The second Masvidal fight is where he just sold us. This guy is looking elite, 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 both as an MMA striker and always as an MMA wrestler. But now, Covington. Covington threw almost 400 strikes in that fight. And to be quite honest, his he, he missed about 64% of those strikes. Kamaru Usman did not shoot once in that fight. Bruh, think about it like this. Kamaru Usman went into that fight. He's a smart guy. Any game plans, and you know he researches fighters. You can say that he didn't want to test Colby's wrestling. I'm going to say I don't think he was threatened by the striking one bit. The first Masvidal fight was an example of maybe where his game plan revolved around being slightly threatened by a good striker. The second fight proved that Nabi, nah, nah, I got this and that's exactly what he did. So when you look at the Gilbert Burns fight and you look at the Covington fight those are two clean cut examples where Kamaru Usman has gone in what pretty much looks like his game plan to outstrike his opponent. So if you're telling me that he's that confident both as a striker and a wrestler in the second time they're fighting when Colby Covington missed 64% of his strikes in the first fight, I'm sorry, but Kamaru Usman is also getting better as Colby does too. So I'm going with Kamaru Usman as a minus 170 favorite. And frankly, I think he's gonna win that fight pretty easily oh wow kamaru Usman. my obviously the timer went off for 30 minutes but minus 250 opener minus 300 live colby plus 200 with a plus 250 line so now i'm not so sure i want to bet on this i wish i maybe caught a parlay line of minus 250. i do think kamaru usman is going to win that fight so count that pick in with a few others don't forget instagram and twitter for the final picks leave some comments below we're gonna be getting these out a lot sooner moving forward so i'm excited for that but for this week right after the wins, with all the information provided we got all the information in the world to make this shit happen so let's keep this streak going once again round of applause for the success we've been having and let's keep it rolling baby Peace!